podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Road End Podcast, where each week we will speak to a new guest, get to know them and talk all things Liverpool. Hi everyone, welcome to the Road End Podcast. I'm pleased to say today I'm joined by Jonathan Joseph, known to many as DJ Spoonie. Spoonie can be heard on Radio 2 and has previously hosted shows on Radio 1 and 5 Live. Thanks for joining today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, glad to be on. We've been trying to do this for a while, so finally, uh, yeah, it's good. Looking forward to it. So let's begin with how you got into DJing. So first of all, I want to know why it's Spoonie. Um, well, the thing is, I actually had the name Spoonie as a nickname before I went anywhere near turntables. It was a nickname that I had got from primary school. They said that I looked like uh, one of the older boys and they used to call me Little Spoonie. And then um, when that boy uh, left the school, the people that were calling me Little Spoonie were virtually the same size as me. So the little bit got dropped and then it just was Spoonie. Apparently my, my head is shaped a bit like a spoon. That's the, <laughs> the origins. I was Moonhead, so look at you. Spoonhead <laughs> and Moonhead, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the DJ and then obviously we've heard we've heard what your nickname. So how did you get into the DJ side of things? Um, you know what? It was one of those where, you know, I grew up in the, the era of youth clubs and, you know, we'd go to at least one of the local youth clubs um, where I lived in Hackney on the borders of Hackney and Islington once a week, twice a week. And I was at the, the one over the road from me at the Mabel and, and watching a friend of mine called Steve Howard on decks. Um, I just saw him doing this thing where he was going from one deck to another, transitioning from one to another without any break. And I was fascinated by that because I knew both the records, but I didn't hear the stop. I didn't hear the gap. And I wasn't used to hearing music presented like that. You know, the reggae sound systems back in the day, they would DJ with one turntable and you'd have a, an MC and an effects chamber and the music would stop. And then they'd, and I was like, right, I want to learn how to do that. And um, yeah, Steve came around my house the following Tuesday and away we were. I know you're well known on the garage scene, but what are your other guilty pleasures? Oh, I mean, geez. I, I, so the, the the thing is, and I I mean, I'm not even, I don't even see them as guilty pleasures. I am absolutely like in love with good music. And, you know, growing up in, in Hackney in the, the 70s and 80s, my taste goes from Blondie and Madness and The Specials to Michael McDonald to Steely Dan to Fleetwood Mac. And then on the other side, of course, you know, the great and legendary rappers like KRS-One and EPMD and Big Daddy Kane. Then you've got Marshall Jefferson with house music and Tyree Cooper and Masters at Work. So and all of that before we even got to UK Garage. So, yeah, my 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 taste uh, is eclectic at, at best. I just love good music, love music with a groove and some soul in it. Have you got any advice for anyone who wants to grow up being a DJ or how they get into things? I mean, it's interesting because my 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 stepdaughter wants to DJ and, you know, I'm kind of going through all of my vinyl collection at the moment, explaining that every single one of those purchases has a like a real story, a, a day of effort um, of hearing it, sourcing it, then going to the record shop to try and buy it, that you didn't just sit at a computer and download it. It's, it's much easier in one aspect now for someone to build up a record collection and to start to DJ. Um, it's all digital. It, you know, you have metronomes and you have beat counters and all that. What makes it harder 
is that because it is so easy and it's so accessible that everybody wants to do it. So very much the same as before, I think it's a case of practice and perfecting your craft and practicing and perfecting your craft and keep practicing some more. Listen, there's never going to be any substitute for, for practice. It gives you the confidence to go and perform. And we are one of the performing arts. So, you know, that's these these are the conversations that I'm that I'm having with Rosie now that you've got to have confidence in your practice and then just let it go. Do you know what I mean? You've got to love the music. If you don't love the music, this is it's not, you know, if you're scared of heights, don't be a window cleaner. Mm. If you don't have love for music, don't be a DJ. I seen a tweet from Camel Fat last night. They put on obviously everyone's been sharing their Spotify as top five for the years yeah. and things like that. And a bit of sarcasm in there saying, where do we get the £8.50 invoice for the streams? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think people understand how important it is for people to actually go out and buy the the vinyls, buy the singles, buy the albums. So do you see that from your side of things? Do you you see that there's a bit of a, a dying art in people actually having a hard copy? It's one of the most pleasurable things that I've done recently. And when I look back in my life, my association with music and physical music buying you know records or whether it was cds you know you still have a a digital copy of a cd but yeah for the artists it is yeah it's a tricky one because if people are streaming instead of buying physical units then they don't generate the money in the same way that they used to i mean they still tour they could still earn a lot of money from from touring because if people do like your music they are going to be more likely to come out and see you perform but you know the world the world's changing you know so um I, I i shudder to think what my record collection has cost me in the years and not just in buying but the actual travel and the time compared to if i were able to just stream so in some in some ways it's a good thing maybe whilst they're streaming and not buying the music they've got more money to go and buy a ticket to see and hear you play you know of which you're more likely to get a higher percentage of it Obviously, you don't have the scale because you can get you know, a million people buying a record. You're unlikely to get a million people in a venue. But from that end, you you know, you could get a high percentage of uh, of the money that's generated. I know you got the gig at the stadium, Fraction Groves. How did you get that call and how was that night? Because I've known Eddie Hearn for, for many years. Um, and that's basically what happened. He said, look, we're doing Wembley. Um, it's a big show. We want to... You know, I want to have some music in in the stadium. Do you want to come and do it? Um, and we're like, yeah, you know, Ed, we, we've discussed this before. Add a bit of razzmatazz. That's one of the, the big differences between American sport and sport that we watch here in the UK. It's sport in, in the US is very much entertainment all the way through. So, yeah, we just had a we had a great night. It was it was it was surreal, really, because I think, you know, I've gone from DJing, most people in one place, I don't know, six, seven thousand to ninety-five thousand um in the stadium, you know, completely sold out. Um and I was on the pitch, but I could see people like dancing in the like dancing in the seats. But yeah, that was a phenomenal gig. That really, really was and a brilliant fight as well, by the way. Yeah. I think everyone remembers where they were that night. So to have ninety-five thousand people in there listening to your music must have been like mind blowing. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful beautiful thing and i gave them a full unapologetic <laughs> unapologetically uh and and uh unadulterated garage set so they loved it love yeah. that speaking of unapologetic yeah you never walk alone at old trafford <laughs> <laughs> how did that go down um i mean it's funny because the 
you had, you know, the teams from the Northwest and the fans of the teams from the Northwest booing, but then you had, you know, the Witness fans nearer to Liverpool, they loved it. The Leeds fans loved it. It was just a cheeky moment that I, it's funny because I did get a lot of, um, I got a lot of stick online, as you could imagine, from some Manchester United fans, blah, blah, blah. And I simply asked one of them, I said, if you had the chance as a DJ to play Glory, Glory, Man United at Anfield, would you do it? And he said, absolutely. There you go. This is just, you know, this is just as fan, us as fans. Do you know what I mean? We we try and get one up on each other. And I was just in a, a lucky position that I was able to able to do that. I'm not sure if it ever happened previously. <laughs> and they haven't invited me back since. But, you know, I've done it now. And um, yeah, definitely not apologising for that. No. So anyone who hasn't seen that, uh, have a look on YouTube. It's brilliant. I've just been watching it again before. <laughs> have me in bits. Um, you're a presenter for Global Premier League TV. Yeah, I've been doing that for eight or nine years now. So basically the, 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 the Premier League own all the rights and here in the UK, um, what we'll see on BBC or on Sky or, or BT. So we make a programme and we, we, we sell them the rights. But what they also do is territories around the world, they make up programmes, they make up a station um, uh, and basically sell them. And I present a couple of shows uh, on, on that channel, yeah. Nice. So when you're on things such as TV or on the radio in the past, on Five Live, yeah. how do you find it? So like, obviously football is just opinions, isn't it? Everything's yeah. pretty much an opinion. So do you get a lot of crap online? You know what? Not, not really, because I think that people know me as a fan, they know me as a, as a real and true fan. I've supported, you know, I've been into Liverpool and into football longer than I've been in into music. You know, football was actually my my first true love. Um, music then became my career and football became my career, but I'm a football fan at heart. So I share that, I have that in common with everyone else on the terraces, whether you're supporting AFC Wimbledon in League Two or you're supporting... PSG in the out, or whether you're supporting whoever it is, Barnsley in the, you know, we're, we're in the championship. So on, on, on that basis, we're all, we're all football fans. Um, and I've supported my club through, you know, some very good times and also some, some very bad times, but what can you do? Agreed. While we're on the subject then with Liverpool, what are your earliest memories as a Red? My earliest memories was, I mean, one of my earliest memories was, um, going to White Hart Lane and seeing us lose 2-1 to Tottenham and then crying all the way home on a 149 bus back to St Newington. Being a Liverpool fan, we used to, at school, before school or lunchtime, we would play, you know, Liverpool against Arsenal, so Liverpool fans against Arsenal fans, or it, depending on the numbers, you might have to join up a couple of teams and quite often winning because um, a, a lot of black boys, when I was growing up, ended up supporting Liverpool. Um, so a lot of my mates were were on the team, uh, so that 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 was good fun. But you know, being nineteen seventy seven when Kenny Dalglish joined, that's when I remember myself saying, "Right, well, I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan." You know, our great success in Europe over that period, uh, crying when we lost to Man United in the semi final of the FA Cup, going to bed sobbing, waking up in the morning to go to school. Because um, it was on, a, it was a replay, and waking up in the morning thinking that I'd had a bad dream and it didn't really happen. So, like I said, it's it's not all always been great, you know. Going to going to Kiev and watching us 
lose in the final, but then also being in Madrid when we won it. I was in Istanbul as well, which goes down as being one of the greatest days and nights of my life. Because that story that I told just now about waking up in the morning after we'd lost to Manchester United in the replay, that night in Istanbul, there was such a problem at the airport getting back to the UK. So I fell asleep outside. There was like a big hangar, big like dome that we were that we were all in. And I was so tired from being up. I got up at four o'clock the previous morning because I had to get to Luton and fly. Anyway, um, I fell asleep, literally went and hid like in some bushes to have a nap and woke up. And I was like, where am I? Totally discombobulated, totally not knowing where I am. And it was like, well, what happened? Oh, there's football. And then I was like, am I dreaming? And then I could hear noise. And I was actually, and I was like, no, we won the Champions League and got up. And yeah, that that was, uh, uh, what a what an unbelievable occasion that was. So yeah, highs and lows, highs and lows. We've had plenty of ups and downs over the years, as you've yeah. just pointed out. As a Liverpool fan then, obviously growing up in London, different in terms of, the following. So down there, like you've just mentioned, a lot of lads support Liverpool. What does it mean to you? Like, as a fan, what does it mean to you to support Liverpool? I mean, I, I totally feel, I totally feel honoured. I love when I get the opportunity to especially go up to Anfield and really feel like a home fan because this is something that people from Liverpool don't understand is that they're like away games for us all the time to come up. Like, we are doing that that's real. That's real support. It's not as though I can just pop around my house and, you know, be outside the stadium and watch the game and be home twenty minutes later. When I come up to Anfield, it's a it's a whole day thing. It's you you have to really be into it to to want to do it. But I'm I'm you know I'm honoured to be a Liverpool fan. I, I I love how the club normally acts with so much class. It's uh, it's it's just a beautiful thing, and it, and the fact that we are a lot of people's favourite second club, if that's at all allowed. Do you know what I mean? The, the people have a soft spot for for the club, for what it stands for, for the stadium, for the fans in the stadium, for you'll never walk alone. I, you know, I've got a few friends that play football and they will all comment on how amazing it is to play at that stadium, you know? Yeah, that's it. And then, you know, Jurgen Klopp at the moment with the baton in his hand, I have to say this, just in case you didn't ask me a, a Jurgen Klopp question that I just have to off my cat to this to this man he's uh yeah he's been phenomenal he he, he really has and you know whilst I'm at it and I, I'm also going to give some props to Brendan Rodgers because I think that Brendan Rodgers genuinely made me believe that we could do it again I didn't know when it was going to come but we could go again and he came he came that close against all odds so you know yeah it's it's it, you know Jurgen Klopp absolutely if if it wasn't for Jurgen Klopp being available when he was available. Brendan Rodgers might have kept his job a little bit more. I think what Brendan, what Jürgen Klopp's gone on to do since he's been there means that the decision was vindicated, that it was the right decision. But I still want to turn around and say, yeah, thank you to Brendan Rodgers who, you know, took us from absolutely nowhere and had us playing like the best football. Even though we didn't win anything, our football was scintillating. Yeah, that, I mean, that season was just... It was a horrible ending, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, man. It pains me every time I hear them singing about that, obviously, that that yeah. moment that we don't yeah. discuss. Yeah, we, what, I don't know what moment you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but I remember, <laughs> I, remember, I remember sat at home on my sofa after the Man City game and just having a tear in my eye because I thought, we're, abs- like, we're going to do it now. 
we're gonna do it now. The way that game went as well, I think maybe it was it was so emotional. Uh, quite ironically, James Milner coming on and completely changing the game for City, like completely changing it. it just and then, yeah, yeah, man, so close. And I would have liked, I would have liked, it would have been nice for Brendan Rodgers to win it because because of the brand and style of football that we played. Yeah, I think there was a game in that season. I can't remember what it finished. It was six one or six two, I think, against Arsenal. Five, oh. five or six. Anyway, I got into the ground about fifteen minutes late, and I think I missed three goals. Three goals, three nil. Yeah, and I mean, we just started so fast. It was it was beautiful. It was like watching the hundred meter final in the Olympics all the time. It was show busy, and I and like I said before about everyone's second favorite club. You just want to see good football played. You know, when we're not watching, if we're watching football, that's not Liverpool. We just want to watch a good game. Yeah. You know, we, we just want to see it entertaining. We, we, if we see PSG against Real Madrid we or Barcelona, how many Barcelona-Real Madrid games have we watched down the years? It's because we just want to see exciting football. And how nice is it when that football's being played by our team, you know? Oh, yeah. From all the fixtures over the years, you've touched on Istanbul, you've touched on Madrid, Kiev, which we'll forget about. What's your greatest moment as a Liverpool supporter? I didn't think that Istanbul could be top. And I think that being in Istanbul just made it even more special. But I think pound for pound, again, I might be able to trump it. And not pound for pound in the sense of what made that one special is that it was in the final, we won it. But I was at Anfield when we beat Barcelona and no one gave us, no one gave us a prayer. And especially when you looked at the players that one weren't available and then two that we had to, you know, Mo wasn't available for that game. Shakiri hadn't played loads. Um, Divock came in. Not only have we got to score four, we've got to stop this team from scoring one. Otherwise, we have to score five. But listen, it's Anfield and anything's possible. That was, you know, I'm, I I remember driving back. I drove up and back in the same evening and I can't remember much of the journey home. What a night of football. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that might have to, that might be the one. An angry Genie when Alden off the bench. And Genie, I mean, phenomenal how you know, Klopp's man management and he didn't sulk. He came on and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, Trent Trent made himself a legend forever. I mean, he's admired by all of us anyway. But, you know, there's not too many, I'm not going to say fullbacks, not too many players in world football then that would have seen that pass and tried it. What a phenomenal footballer. And I'm proud to say he's one of ours. Just while we're touching, um, Trent's recent criticism. Now, he knows more than anyone. He's mentioned this a couple of times in the last few interviews, that it hasn't been on a personal note the best season. However, mm. the criticism he's facing regarding his defensive ability compared to other defenders that get away with it week in, week out, mm-hmm. is just beyond a joke for me. What do you think on that? And what's your opinion on it? Just yesterday... Um, and I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but everyone knows it's not live. Uh, just yesterday, I was watching the game between Belgium and Croatia. And I was watching it with Kieran Dyer, a big name drop there. <laughs> Pick that up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, and, and he was saying, you know, the problem that we have here in the UK is that we focus too much on what players don't do well, as opposed to what they do do well. And he says, you know, as a coach, he's you know he's a coach now. He says, if England are going to be playing against France, where 
Trent is going to spend 60-70% of the game trying to track Mbappe. You might play Carl Walker and go, right, we're just going to go man for man and put you on him. And if we stop him, we might have a chance. But he said against Wales, with all due respect, against Iran, with all due respect, against America, with all due respect. When you're playing these nations, he said, I'm starting Trent all day long because he said the passes he plays, not even the midfielders that England have will play that. Like, ask Harry Kane, would he not want to be receiving balls from Trent? Ask Raheem Sterling, ask Mason Mount, whoever's playing in those attacking positions because he sees the pass so early. His delivery is excellent that when teams sit in deep, why would you not have that extra ball player on your team? And yes, Kieran Tripper is excellent from, from set pieces, but how many of those do you get? He's bang on the money and you are as well. Um, if there's any game to play him, I genuinely thought Iran was the game, or even Wales, the last game, they're pretty much through. Why take him? Yeah, and you know, the other thing is, you, as, you're, as you're going through the, the tournament, you don't want to have to bring players on who are rusty, who have not kicked a ball in anger. So at least he, he got some minutes and you never know. Again, against Senegal, they might drop deep. You're going to go, right, I need someone that can take a free kick or it's another option. Or I, I, I just think let's not only focus on the fact, oh, well, he doesn't defend because he doesn't have to defend all of the time. What he gives you going forward Maybe get Declan Rice to go right, just double up or come over in the way that Jurgen Klopp does with with Jordan Henderson or Fabinho, whoever plays on the right-hand side of that three. That, listen, what he gives us going forward, no one else does. So when he does go forward, just, just tuck over. Who's the best Liverpool player for you from your lifetime so far? I like to have a conversation about a few players. Um, and I like Kenny Dalglish was the reason I supported Liverpool and started supporting Liverpool. Just a brilliant footballer. As time went on, I realised the the brilliance of Graham Souness and the appreciation of, I think they're players that could have played in any generation. I think there's some players around now that are good, but I don't know if they would have lasted back then. John Barnes, again, just, I don't know, maybe because he was a, a black icon as well, or he's become a black icon, it resonates especially for, for, for me. Then into more recent times, I can't have the conversation without talking about Steven Gerrard, uh, someone who, like the previous three that I've met and spent time with, and, you know, they are as fantastic off the pitch as they are on the pitch. Graham, Kenny, John and, and, and Stephen. And then I think it's a real shame he didn't stay a little bit longer. And I know the controversy that followed him is always how conversations start, but Luis Suarez for us, man. Like, come on. Tell me how good that man was. He, he, oh, you know, can we give him legendary status? Because he wasn't he, he wasn't there long enough. I, I I don't know. But, you know, it's like, um, what a footballer. Bar and Steven Gerrard, I don't think there's an argument on in my lifetime. Seeing probably the best footballer on the planet on his day. He was untouchable. Everything he touched went in the net. Everything yeah. he touched in terms of his first touch was through someone's legs. Ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's just an unbelievable player. Um, you know, there have been a few players that I think in recent times are worth the worth the ticket fee on their on, on their own. Um, Eden Hazard, Luka Modric. 
even though I think Luka Modric actually hit another level when he left Tottenham. But, you know, Eden Hazard, again, he had a like a couple of years spell there at Chelsea. And it was just like, oh, it's just, just too good. You know, Thierry Henry, generation, they're just phenomenal footballers that as long as they're not playing against your team, you just want to watch them, you know? Yeah, well, the Hazard game in the cup where he taught us to shreds at Anfield. Yeah, uh, you know, that was almost like when uh, Ronaldinho got a standing evasion at, at the Bernabeu. Because sometimes you just got to go, wow, that was unreal. Yeah, and I think Carragher has had the same to say about Henri yeah, <laughs> when he tied him in knots. Absolutely. It's just coming out of it now, isn't he? <laughs> we asked our guests to choose their ultimate five-a-side team who they've seen live playing for Liverpool. Let's find out what they said. I finish each episode with your ultimate five-a-side team for each guest. Now, I don't really give many people time to do this because I like it to just be fresh. I like it yeah. to just come out. So, from goalkeeper to forward, can you name yeah. five players as the best you've seen in a Liverpool shirt? I'll put Alisson in goal. Oh, I don't know, actually. Oh, I love this argument. Oh, wow. I've just done myself there <laughs> because I can make an argument for both, right? I'm going to give it to Alisson because we won the league and, and the Champions League with him, but I think Rayner would be a brilliant goalkeeper in five-a-side as well. I would have oh, Virgil. In front of Virgil, I will have Gerard and Dalglish and Suarez up top. Only because I think they will they will beat you in the battle, and there's just so much skill in that team as well. Yeah. Um, how I've not put Kenny Dalglish in that starting five? Please don't let him hear this. But it's rolling subs, right? <laughs> yeah, rolling subs. Of course it is. I just want virally tag Kenny. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time, mate. Absolute um, pleasure. Today has been brilliant, and I just want to thank you again and. Good luck with everything you do. Thanks, buddy. See you later. Thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to follow our social media, twitter.com slash the road end pod, and also our Instagram page, instagram.com forward slash the road end pod. <laughs>